0: Welcome back to Mummy Matters. Our guest today is an incredible mother of two who's a birth worker specialising in hypnobirthing. In our episode she shows us how empowering mindset can be especially during pregnancy and while delivery. The founder of Mystery Mama is Pooja Mystery. Thanks so
1: much for having me Aki. So um, I'm Pooja, um, I'm the founder of Mystery Mama and um, and a little bit about me is, uh, I'm uh, a mum of two, so I have a three-year-old Sham and I have a one-year-old Fear. Yeah. Um, and like my background, um, was perinatal mental health. Um, and I come from a family where, um, kind of like <clears throat> there was a lot of struggle with pregnancies. There was lots of um, kind of the unknowns about labor and birth. Um, and I think that kind of go, being brought up in that environment about not knowing what's going on with your body, but equally feeling like um, everything's kind of taken over by medical professionals and clinical clinicalized and things. Um, I didn't know what to expect when I became pregnant. I think before I even thought about becoming, um, carrying a baby actually. Um, I was more so worried about how long it would take me to become pregnant. Um, and I was fortunate that I got caught like straight away, which I know that it is a, a struggle for so many people. And I think it really hit me because I was so worried that it would take me like six to 12 months to become pregnant when I did. It suddenly hit me like, right now I am pregnant. How am I gonna get this baby out? Cause all those kind of, you know, emotions about birth and maybe kind of start flooding in and everyone around you in their experiences kind of hate you and obviously my experience with perinatal health a lot of mums kind of that I supported uh, postnatally came through with kind of postnatal depression or some sort of postnatal illness as a result of birth trauma Um, and actually one in five mums actually deal with that which is a huge number like you know that's the known number so I don't know how many mums that aren't even accepting or telling people about this but that's 20% of mums are experiencing birth trauma Um, so when I was pregnant with Sham Um, I really wanted to know what I could do to kind of make sure that I would decrease that chance for myself as well Um, and I found it at 35 weeks um, which is quite late on but I decided to do a crash course in it and it was amazing like to cut a long story short I've um, labelled at home with him for 10 hours and then um I remember um, Hemant, my husband, he was kind of watching an entire game of New Zealand versus India, a full-on cricket game while I was just like labouring away with each of my surges and kind of managing myself. Uh, but he was timing them, so, you know, he was doing something, but he watched the entire game of cricket, uh, and I remember my waters going, and I, my waters went, my, my forewaters, uh, and he was on the phone with my mum, having a full-on discussion about what to have for lunch that day, like, <laughs> my mum was like, "Oh, shall I make downpacks, shall I make sacks, and we're like, um, I remember saying, "Oh well, we need to go now. My waters is broken." He was like, "I can't see any waters anywhere," and I was like, "No, it's just the hind waters, but we really need to go." Like I think I'm ready, um, and yeah, you know, he was really supportive. We went in, um, and I think that going into hospital, although it was my plan, um, upon kind of reflection, I thought actually maybe it wasn't the best thing for me. Um, I went in and the midwife initially was trying to do a vaginal examination and it was actually irritating me and I felt like she was getting very much in my way um, and she went on to tell me that I was only three centimetres dilated and that I had to go home yet my body was telling me something completely different. Um, she she even went on bless her, to tell me that I wouldn't be giving birth for at least three days at this point as well which um, I don't think any labouring woman needs to hear, like, you know, that you're just going to continue being in this zone for however many days. is just it's not something that someone wants to hear. Um, but my husband was able to advocate um, and he said, can you just leave us in the birth pool, leave us alone for a bit and then um, we'll need, we'll call you when we need you. Uh, and she, asked, she goes, oh, I'm going off for my lunch. And, you know, if you need anyone, just press the buzzer. But I don't think this baby's going to come. And lo and behold, in 10 minutes, his head was out. And I remember shouting to my husband in transition something and he was like, right, she's really ready to kind of give birth. And a another midwife walked in and she was like, Can me get a mirror and have a look? I was like, nope, you really don't need to. There's something round and fairy between my legs that's not usually there, it's definitely <laughs> ahead. Um, and I think that, you know, listening to my body at that point and going with what I thought was right, um, and then my husband being my backup as well. Um was really helpful I think that if we both didn't listen to ourselves and we blindly just followed the lead of the professional um I could have easily birthed my son in my dad's car on the drive back home and I'm not sure whether my dad would have been too happy about that but like I think it's so important as women to listen to our intuition um for a lot of things like even in your parenting journey just generally life itself as well where we listen to ourselves so much and we know what our gut's telling us yet when it comes to labour and birth we kind of almost give that control away um, and I think it's so important to kind of rein it back in um, but again you know knowing that we worked together as a team that really helped and that kind of was reinforced with um, our second birth with beer I think him in the first time said, Oh, I felt like he was a bit of a flute. And then after second with Veer, um, so Veer's labor was a complete hour, um, three hours and 40 minutes from like the start to him being born. Yeah. Um, and when he when my husband compared the two, he was like, okay, yeah, hypnobirthing's not a flute, like there is real science to have it, here and I can understand the difference. Um, and again, he was more clued up with the second time. Um, and we opted for a home birth. Um but with this as well i didn't tell anyone that i was having home birth because you know the stigma behind having that home birth and everyone going well what if things go wrong or you're too brave to do this and if you know, something happens to you or something happens to baby i think there's again this misconception about what a home birth is or what kind of support you can get with a home birth um and i think it's really important to educate yourself about your options before you make a call Um, and just like I said with my first like I labelled at home for 10 hours and I was doing fine and it was only until the midwife told me that I was only three centimeters in the hospital and that I wouldn't be giving birth that I started to panic Um, and at home it was fine it was great and um, I remember being fully dilated but not quite ready to birth uh, my second and the midwife was like oh you're fully dilated let's get pushing uh, but because they had a midwife swap over at that time uh, she didn't get a chance to read my birth plan Um, so she wasn't aware that I was a hypnobirthing teacher and practicing hypnobirthing um, but again Hemant was able to step in going don't tell her to push she'll breathe and she'll do it when she's ready to do so and again you know knowing that he was there and taking my side and being able to support me uh was so important um and again like I remember birthing there and just turning around, holding him, feeling so elevated and proud that I've just achieved this most miraculous thing of like birthing my child in my environment Um, and just being able to say, you know, I've just done this. And I remember turning around going, I want to do this all over again. Um, In fact, I tell it to quite a few people that after I birthed him, I wanted to do it again. People look at me like I'm weird, like you want to go through labor and birth all again. and actually I think that, you know, if it's done right, if you are well supported um, and you feel respected by your professionals around you. And I think that's that's a big key element of it, right? Like I'm not saying that we go into battle with professionals, but it's equally about being respected as a birthing person. Like you are the most important person in that room when you're giving life while birthing. regardless of whether it's a vaginal birth cesarean you know it doesn't matter what route it's going down you are the most important person in that room so your wishes should be respected um and you should feel like you're in control and you have a choice at all points as well so I think for me um knowing that I can give that support to other women Um, I don't empower them I just help them to realize that they have that self-empowerment and they just have to bring it to surface and they can experience the same thing because you know giving life and birth I think is like the most important thing that a person or a woman can do like I don't think anything beats it if somebody had to ask ask me would you have a positive birth or an amazing wedding I would definitely say a positive birth like you will remember that every year, that like every year for their birthdays. Yeah. It's not just their birthday, like I should be celebrated because I birthed them that day. Um so yeah, it's like an it's like a memory that will stay
0: with you forever. So I yeah. think naturally
1: it should be something positive, right?
0: Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, even with myself, um, it's quite funny because with my first, I went in early. Um, because I had I had like a, a a bleed and it was like a period bleed, no pain or anything. But I had that. And um, we went to to the hospital. They said, come in, we'll get you checked out. And they were like, oh, you're, you've got issues with your uterus. And so, like proper scared me. Yeah, yeah. And then started, like, started the process off for me. And then literally baby was here like six hours later. Um, But then with my two girls, like literally it was record time. It was literally like four hours start to finish. And I did most of it at home. I just made it both times to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. One push and they were both out. And that's what it was like. And I think it is this thing that... With every pregnancy, I don't know about you, but with every pregnancy, you just seem to be more calmer. You just seem to kind of know yes. what's coming. Um, and I, I honestly feel it's because of the fact that I was so calm that my yeah. my labor went was so quick or it was just it was just easier. Yeah. I mean, with all three, to be honest, it wasn't it wasn't a hard labor and things. I'm quite blessed like that. Um, but it is I, I do find that the the mental state of the mother matters yeah. so much um and I think it is like you said it depends on who's around you as well if you've got someone stressing that you know you've got to go I think that affects you more than the fact that you're actually giving birth so so yeah exactly
1: because you're you know we we can pick up other people's emotions we do that on a day-to-day basis think you know that saying of um I can cut the tension in the room yeah like it, it can happen it doesn't even have to be a birthing environment you know you walk into a room and you will be able to pick up the general sense of, of how people are feeling in that room without anyone actually verbally being able to tell you um yet when you're when you are birthing you are in a vulnerable state so your your senses are heightened and you are going to be picking up things and if there is something that just doesn't in right and you know you're already a bit panicky or you're trying to manage each surge that's happening with your body and trying to Help and work with your body, but something's just intervening, or someone's saying things, or someone's doing things, and it just is affecting your birthing scenario in a negative way. Like, naturally, it's gonna put you in a downward spiral unless either your birth partner knows how to break that cycle for you, or you're knowing how to do the breathing techniques, or you're knowing what's going on. Um, and just like you said, you know, sometimes like they don't tell you exactly what they're doing and why they're doing things. Um, and that is quite it's quite scary, like this is your body, and on a day to day basis, you wouldn't let average person walk past you and just hold your hand. would you you wouldn't let a stranger do that. so, in a very intimate environment of labor and birth, why are we feeling like it's okay for medical professionals to just touch your intimate areas or? be invasive and look at things without giving you a full explanation of what they're doing and why they're doing these things because you know if anybody was to touch me my first response would be to you know go into adrenaline you freeze you fly, fight or flight um and actually, the same response would be if somebody touches your intimate areas and is it's a vulnerable time for a woman so I think it's important time then also be respected to be given your choices explained um about the processes and why these are and sometimes that's not the only option and they don't always tell you your options so yeah yeah, it's really important about your birth partner knowing how they can then step in and go you know i understand this is what you're saying but are there any other options can we explore anything else how long we've got before we've got to make these decisions because again sometimes i think you feel like you've got to make that decision on that spot I think you know um at 40 weeks like induction is on the cards isn't it like they drop it on you at your 40 week appointment with your midwife so the next steps are in accordance to our hospital policy that we're going to be looking at an induction date for you um don't explain the process of induction they probably give you a leaflet but you know like I think we could all read the same leaflet, and we could all interpret it in different ways, right? um So they just give you basics,
0: and you don't know that you can say no. I think a, no, not very many women. Think I didn't know until until I read your content. I didn't know. I thought it was just a given that you know when you hit forty weeks, that's it. You're going to have to get this done, and that's it. Exactly. It's like baby
1: inside should know that they've got an eviction date, and. <laughs> Clearly they don't, like, they have no idea that somebody on the outside or a computer somewhere has decided their D-day Um, and if they're not coming out then they're going to be forced out, like, if you just think about, like, years and years and years ago, and I mean, when we were cave people, or cave, even take it back to our own heritage in India and stuff, like, yes, there was a rough idea about when it would happen, but it would just happen yeah and women would support women like, you know, um and this is so funny because like my grandma in India when she found out that I did have a home birth, she was like, oh wow, you, you were really brave to have a home birth And I turned around to her was like, so how did you give birth to mom and mama's? And she was like, at home I was like, what's the difference? <laughs> what have I done differently to you? um and it's really sad again that the her perception of it has massively changed even though her experience of birthing four children at home was near enough equivalent to what I had with my one or well, my second one. Yet she thought so many different things because of what society presents, what um people say, people scare you and things. And I think nowadays I hear that actually, you know, Caesareans are more on the cards in Europe at the moment as well, which is really, really sad. Um but like you know when we do look back it is a very female orientated event it is an event right like there's the birthing woman but equally she's supported by everyone around her like there is obviously a midwife equivalent but there is somebody that's supporting with that there's nobody however kind of forcing that baby out they're all there around the mom to help build her up for this event of birth not Right, you know, this is what the day that we predicted it would come, and it's not come. So let's start forcing baby out because induction it, it can be more intense um, because there's fake hormones that are being pumped into your body, and your body's not always ready for that. Yeah. Um, and when your body's not ready for it, it'll fight it because it has no idea what's going on. So you know, I think it's really important to be informed about those different journeys and then to ask questions in order for you to find out whether it is the right choice for you or not, and then to decline it or accept it depending on what you feel is right for you. And I think I think that's where there's a huge gap at the moment as well, Raki. Like, people just don't understand that they can question professionals. Yeah. And it's not to question their authority or to question their expertise, but it's to question the process, to see if the process is right for you. I think that's the difference we're not I'm not kind of saying that we question somebody's intelligence it's just the process um because at the end of the day we've lived with our body from the day we were conceived basically we've grown it we've grown up so suddenly in this very intimate time why is it that we're now trusting a textbook that is not specifically made for individual bodies it is an average and we don't all fit averages like yeah
0: yeah you touched on the fact that you used hypnobirthing for your own own, on labor do you want to go into that I mean what is hypnobirthing for those who don't know um you know what's involved what's the process so
1: the biggest part of hypnobirthing is mindset you know like we discussed a little bit earlier um really about understanding the process of it of our of the process of labor about the process of birth and um changing how we view it when we change our perception about what labor and birth is
0: sure. based
1: on true facts true births um and knowing what's actually happening inside our bodies because i think what we usually hear when we hear about labor and birth is very much like Oh, it was painful. Like usually this is this is something that I ask in my class to all my clients, um, yeah, shout out words and things. And the top three things that kind of come up are pain, screaming, and woman on a bed with professionals around her. Like they are like the top three things that continuously come up. Um, and when our perception of birth is that, it is of pain, it is of scream, it is about being surrounded by professionals. Actually, what we're doing is we've never experienced that, but we're believing that information to be true because either people have told you that or TV has told you that. And actually there's so many things that I've seen on TV. Um, And I now sit down every time I see a birth scene on TV on any programme or anything, I shout at the TV going, that is not a real perception of it. My husband's like, no one can hear you. Just relax, no one can hear you. But it's sad, right? Because when we're not shown anything different and we're constantly being fed the same information, Mm. we're accepting it to be real. So when we're becoming pregnant and we're approaching our um estimated date, all of that resurfaces and it feels like that is going to happen to us. So we started to to tense our body up we start to get fearful about what's to happen even though we've not experienced the sensation of labor or a contraction of a surge we're just anticipating that it's going to be super painful like to start off with we've not even done it and we're thinking it's going to be really really painful so our body is going to respond to it being painful right and our brain is great at keeping us alive However, it doesn't know the difference between real and perceived threat. Um, So the information that we've kind of accepted and then believed to be true, that labor is painful, labor is about screening, labor is about professionals taking over, well, you're believing that. So your body is going to respond to that information, which means that every time your body does contract and baby is trying to make their way down, you're closing yourself off thinking it's going to be painful Yet your uterus doesn't know that, your baby doesn't know that, and they wanna just get along with the process, but because your brain is telling your body, no, you're in danger, you're in threat, actually that's affecting your cervic dilation. So when that's affecting your dilation, baby can't go or work their way down your birthing canal, which means that they're almost fighting with the dilation and that increases your pain. So what that ends up being is a very negative cycle of fear, tension and pain. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, you know, you're anticipating it to be painful. Your body responds to it by trying to protect you. Your baby doesn't understand you. Your uterus doesn't understand what's to carry on. So it does become painful. So the idea behind hypnobirthing is when you understand the process, when you're able to surrender to each surge. And, you know, I don't I don't ever teach my women or my couples that, I can take pain away because pain is very subjective. You know, like you could get a paper cut, Rocky, and I could get a paper cut, and we could both respond to it in different ways because our threshold of pain is very yeah. different. However, with hypnobirthing, using the tools of mindset, using the breathing techniques, being able to keep yourself calm and relaxed, and actually processing your brain to understand that this is a natural process and it needs to happen. Like labor has started, There's, this baby is coming out, we have to work with it if we work against it then it's just going to make the process longer and more difficult whereas if we're able to work with it breathe with it your partner knows how to build up the right hormones to help you in the process actually you can shorten your labor down time like drastically because you're not fighting the surge so those surges each time you're contracting, you know the muscles are moving up baby is moving down and your body your baby and your the process of birth is all working together. Um, and the basically the, the easiest way for me to describe it um, is that if a woman was in coma and she was ready to birth her baby, it would just get on and do it. Um, and it's as simple as that, like it wouldn't need a medical intervention. Yeah. I do not think, you know, people wouldn't know she wouldn't be screaming because she's in coma people wouldn't recognize that but the uterus knows what it's doing your baby knows what it's doing what gets in the way is our mindset because our mindset and our brains have constantly been fueled with negative things and until we're ready to make that change um and i think that's one of the biggest things is is that you know people ask me is hypnobirthing for everyone and yes it is it's 100 percent for everyone in every different type of birth But equally, I don't have a magic wand. No hypnobirthing teacher has a magic wand. Um, So in order for it to work, you've got to come in with that open mindset, with that willingness to understand how the body works, how the mind affects the body, and implement the tools. Like I set homework each week, and if you don't listen to the relaxations, if you don't um, use the techniques and the tools that I'm telling you, You can't just end up going into labor and birth on the day going, I've done the course, now it's just gonna happen. Well, no, because I'm teaching you the tools and it's again, you know, that whole teamwork effort, Um, but equally knowing your birth rights, I think, you know, which I think is so, so important that women know that they have birth rights and that they can question things and they have choices. Um, And I think it really helps to balance Um, the expectation and the reality of labour and birth Um, because equally i know so many women's birth plans that consist of i want a water birth with no medication yet they have no education behind it they've not learned tools they've not done the research they don't have plan b c d um so it you know and and no one's plan goes to plan A like my plans didn't go to plan A my second one I didn't realize that I progressed so quickly and the midwives didn't recognize how fast I was going that they came home and saw that I was dying uh, well I was I was surging but my face didn't match it because I was so relaxed and calm they were like oh okay yeah she actually is moving quite quickly we need to go back and get the pool but by, by that time they went back to the hospital got the pool and started setting it up there was no way that i would get from upstairs to downstairs like you know my surges were coming so fast that i ended up birthing my son in our bedroom um which was not definitely not in my plan a yeah not in plan b at all like i i thought i'd be birthing downstairs but it didn't happen so it's about understanding the different routes that you've got um and being open minded to different journeys so if you're planning for A, B, C, D, you're still remaining in control. And equally, like, I did have an induction plan when I wrote my birth plan. You know, when I wrote it down with my husband, I said, you know, these are the things that I'm happy with. These are the things I wouldn't mind discussing if absolutely required. And these are things I definitely don't want. Um, I also spoke about cesareans as well because I thought, you know. I don't know what could happen. He could release meconium. Anything could happen in that day. I could become thoroughly exhausted or something could happen to me where there could be a clinical indication for a cesarean to save my life and baby's life. And I need to plan for that. So we, we had that plan back as a backup. Yes, they were planning X, Y, Z. But I think it's so important to have that. And that's something that I also discuss in my classes as well. Um, and is so important part of hypnobirthing is you are planning for different birthing journeys in order to remain in control. So I think you know, when I try and sum it up, hypnobirthing is about remaining calm, feeling confident and remaining in control of your birth
0: amazing and I, I know it's like you touched on um the kind of stuff that you see on tv and you know those around you and the funny thing is you always tend to hear all that the negative side of it like yeah. people will always tell you oh I was in labor for this long and all i say to you oh I've had a really good birth do you know what I mean like you don't hear that you don't hear it was a quick birth it was just oh you only hear that oh this this took this long and this happened like this and I was in so much pain and and it is it's this thing that you just build yourself up mentally and you don't even realize you're doing it I think I think right. a, lot, a lot of the time you've got it there at the back of your head and it just it it does like you said resurface so it affects you massively like like even with myself it's quite funny like with my second with my third when I when I saw my show I was just like right okay I've got a bit of a backache I haven't really got any tummy pain nothing no other pain it's just a little bit of a dull backache but then I put it down to I was really nesting with my with my third so I literally yes. put the whole kitchen out and I was organizing all my drawers so I thought it might just be that I've lifted too much or something like yeah that. Like yeah lower back pain I was like let me go for a shower so I went for a nice long shower <laughs> I did all of this and bearing in mind like you know I was probably going through the contraction but didn't feel any of it yeah my husband came in he had his, his uh dinner you know yeah. he sat down for five minutes and I was like right I think I need to go now this is coming like regularly now like quite a lot yeah and literally we just made it to the to the to the hospital and yeah it's one of these things like even now I'm thinking oh my gosh like you know this baby could have come at any point <laughs> like, yeah and so and bearing in mind I've got the other two at home as well um, yeah, yeah, yeah. i just like this could have this could have been hard work but luckily it, it wasn't but people don't tell you stuff like that people don't tell no. you like no no and I
1: think it's um it is it's sad that people aren't talking about the positive yeah. things right um and I've experienced it myself uh, I think that having worked in the birth world for quite a while, I'm able to kind of get rid of the negativity pretty easy, but it's not easy for every woman. And I understand that like the responses that I get for both of my births is, Oh, you were lucky to have experienced that. Um, And although I do believe in luck, like I don't think the majority of it was based on Mm. luck. Um, I did a lot of hard work, you know, I did lots of planning, I did lots of education um I looked into my options um and I had a birth partner that was on board with me, and obviously naturally I think I don't think hypno birthing itself um uh, does does the course justice I don't think it does like everyone comes in going oh hypnobirthing does this mean you're going to put me under a spell or they're really especially birth partners they're really skeptical about it but I think when you put the science behind like how it works um and how mind affects your body you know mind matters um they're able to put it into context a little bit better and understand what it's doing um and I think that makes a huge difference when you're both on board and understanding things but yeah like people still say it so my first son he was born at um at eight pounds two now just to put it in context like I'm five foot one and I weigh less than 50 kgs I'm really petite um and no one was expecting like an eight pound do baby um but I remember when he was born um everyone was like wow that's big for an Indian baby and I was like yeah I know and I even I was shocked initially but you know when they always say oh that's there's going to be a big baby you're going to tear you're going to do this you're going to do that and they really scare you with things like that well no one guessed him to be eight pounds two, and I didn't tear I used the breathing techniques I worked with it and I was fine and he was fine um, but equally second time around like, oh your first baby was this big and your second baby is going to be bigger my second one was seven pounds nine um and again like you know I think people like to just throw information at you <laughs> from hearsay as well and I think that it's sad it's sad and I know this as like somebody that's worked with like mind and psychology for a, a while now as well but we're drawn to negative things. We're drawn to drama as as human beings. Like, if things go well, we question it. And if things don't go well, then we're just like, oh, it's meant to be. And I think that's a really bad thing. Like, why aren't we accepting good things can happen? Or why aren't we being inspired by these positive things and going, well, if she can have it, why can't I do it? Like, why aren't we doing that? You know, we always look at somebody's negative and go, oh, "If that happened to her, that's just going to happen to me." Why can't we translate that for the positive? If that's happened for her, I want to have the same. What can I do to have that same experience? Or like I did, I, you know, I I witnessed and heard about lots of negative births. I was like, "Well, I don't want that to be me." So, what can I do to change that? Um, and I think we really need to kind of change that around for women in our community and men as well like I've already started to implement things with my three-year-old um, you know he knows what hypnobirthing is in my plan A he was supposed to be home and actually be in the birth pool to help catch his baby brother Um, and when I tell that to some people people are like are you sure you wanted a two-year-old in the in the same room as you and I was like yeah because it's fine for him to see what happens like I'm not doing anything wrong I'm doing a really natural process I'm bringing his baby brother into the world and it's not for everyone I appreciate that but for me as a birth educator I felt like I need to normalize birth we need to educate the next generation to not be scared to know their rights to be able to be supportive um and hopefully I'm bringing up two very good birth partners for the future. Um, but you know, even now, like he, he asked me about how babies come out. And I was, um, I showed him a, a cesarean birth that I use in my classes as well. Again, to normalize it, you know, this is what can happen and this is what a lady does. Um, and he's three and people are like, oh, are you sure that's appropriate? And it's, it's a normal process, like, you know you take him to a wedding you explain what's going on like it is it's a normal thing that we all do um i, I don't show him vaginal birth because i think that that's inappropriate for him because i don't think he's at the age to understand that but if he has a general interest in what i do as part of my work and wants to know how babies are being born well i can show him a route um and I think it takes away that curiosity as well, you know, before he's even gone into school. And I think that's a big thing as well. I don't know if you've noticed, because obviously, Raki, you've got older children. But when I look back at school and sex education, it's all about not becoming pregnant. And then nothing about birth education. So what do you do if you become pregnant? And how do you manage that? So true. Like, I don't know if you will ever watch it. I remember being like, nine or something and watching like the first thing uh, on TV and I I think I vividly remember my room, my school room and being shown this woman with her legs up on stirrups screaming her head off birthing this baby and and it's it's weird like I'm now 31 and this was like when I was nine and it's still ingrained in my head and when I was a birth educator I'm like well why was I shown that when that's not a realistic picture of birth and That's what we're setting our future generation up for.
0: Why are we doing that? Why are we not educating them in a more positive light? But yeah, it's so true. Like, I don't understand why they don't. Maybe they probably think it's not age appropriate or whatever. But like you're saying, it's all about education, isn't it? The more educated people are, the more, more of an accurate and realistic approach they can take to things. And they'll know what their options are. They'll be able to seek support when it's needed. And I think that's, that's a big thing that we need to start kind of doing with, especially this generation, so that the next generation have, have it already like in them, and to not be so scared of seeking yeah. help, to not be so scared of like talking and opening dialogue about things that we'd not necessarily talk about. So, I mean, in your opinion, what, why do you think, or what stigma do you think is attached when it comes to birthing and labour and, you know, birthing partners? and
1: People are going to hate me out. <laughs> but um, it's a man's world and you know I'm not against men or anything like that I'm married to one I have two boys that grow up to be men Um, but I'm reading this really interesting book about um, you know the the passage into like motherhood and childbirth and things and it's so sad that there are, there have been so many men's influences about childbirth, um, and kind of always been that like dominant person that's kind of making those choices and decisions. Like even when you look back, you know, women really weren't into big careers or professions um for a very, very long time. So decisions about women's bodies somehow being made by male professionals Um, and I think that that's kind of unfair like you know if you aren't experiencing a woman um, or a woman's body or not knowing what's going on with it how can you make these decisions about it Um, and actually I think that over time women have slowly lost their voice as well Like we aren't supporting each other as women um, and being a unit. And we're kind of allowing the white coat to take over. Um, And we're not kind of working with each other. We're not giving that community of a whole. And I get it. I think nowadays our lives are just so busy, right? Like we've got so much to do. Generally, I think just life is just go, go, go. It's just really quick and fast paced that before we at least had that community and there was that generation of talking to the next generation, to the next generation. And I think that that stopped somewhere. And I think that's what the issue is, is that there's that stop of communication um, where you were given that almost education from your mum and being supported in it but equally I think somewhere in some cultures as well it's just a taboo subject like I don't want to hear about it I don't want to talk about it it's uh it's a very quiet thing or it just needs to happen between in closed doors or things um and it's not surface it's not just it's slowly not spoken about because people just don't think it's important and I think that's really sad like it is is a very important thing um, to be spoken about. Um just like I said with like my grandma and my mom. And you know, my my grandma clearly didn't speak to mom about it. And unfortunately, mom came here when um she was like 20 or something, got married and had me when she was like 27. Um, she had some infertility and stuff. Uh, and she didn't realize that like, she could ask for things, and equally because she was not with her mom in this country and I think you know when you're when you're talking about like 1980s 1920s like you know getting that communication of even like a phone call to back home in India was hard enough in itself that she didn't get that support or her community with her guiding her through it or talking to her about it that she didn't have it so she naturally felt the next best person could be the white coat like you know what you're doing you're educated in it I think, you know, when she talks back, she's like, when I teach her about it, I think, oh, but yeah, I didn't know this, or, oh, I thought I just had to have the epidural because they told me that I wasn't coping, so I needed it, um, you know, or I was told to push, she, she keeps telling me that she was told to push, when she wasn't feeling ready for it, and then, you know, she looks back at it, and she's like, but it's fine, you're here, and you're healthy, and I'm like, yeah, but mom, that's, I know I'm here, and I'm healthy, but, you're still looking at bringing me into the world as a negative experience. Like I'm here, I'm good that you've got your child, especially after you know struggling with conceiving and things, but the experience of birth for you still remains very negative. And when you look back, even 31 years down the line, you're not seeing it as a positive experience. You're very much scared about what's happened. And I think that transpired when I, told her about especially about my home birth as well. Because nobody's spoken to her about it. She was going off her own experience. Yeah. And communicating that to me, which I think was good, but based on not real things. You know, when I told my mum and dad, it was really weird and this is not what I was expecting whatsoever. But when I told both my parents I was having a home birth there, my dad was like, oh yeah, this is amazing. Let's go for this. You're going to be fab. And my mum was like, are you sure And I wasn't expecting that, you know, you'd usually expect like your mom to be quite nurturing and like on board with it. Um, but equally, I think when I look back at her experience, I think all that was flooding back and she was almost putting me in her position and going, what, what if this happens to my daughter? And actually, she, she's protective of her daughter. So she's going to want to do what she thinks is best. And I think she came, she, she, she came to the house after um Veer was born because they brought Sham back home. And uh it was only like about an hour after I had given birth, and she was like, You look amazing. Like you did the best thing. And she was like, I'm sorry I ever doubted you. And I was like, It's fine, mom. Like I'm I'm good with it. But this is what we need to start showing other people, right? We need to start showing the world and the more women that it is normal, we can work together as a community, and you can always have that support and, and be reassured that things are going well, and they might not go in one direction because birth isn't linear, but mm-hmm. regardless of which ways and which turns they might take, you can still be in control of that situation.
0: Yeah, I love that. So with birthing, is there any myths? You probably is right? but is there any myths that you can kind of shine a light on? Um, with birth itself or like hypnobirthing? Hypnobirthing, with birth, with labor, any of that that section that you're, you're an expert in. Um, what other myths that you about? have heard and kind of, can you let us know, like, is there any truth in them?
1: Yeah, there's some uh, myths, definitely. So people feel like um, it's going to be super painful. I think that's the biggest one. I think everyone has this myth about it's going to be really, really painful. But, you know, just like I explained before, like, if you're working with your body, yeah. it doesn't have to be as painful as what you're making it out to be. Um, naturally, when you're going to birth your baby, as in when the head is almost outside and you're about to birth, Yes, that's going to be increased because naturally the pressure down in the bottom of your pelvis and yeah, you know, as babies coming out, that is going to increase. Yes. But the start of labor is is not it's not painful. And if you're already starting to have that perception to start off with at right at the start, well, it's just gonna increase with each one, really, but it's not as painful. Um, another one is that and I think this is a, this is like a, a massive one is that I don't or hypnobirthing teachers don't work with professionals or we're very much like don't do what they say um and that is a complete myth um so I'm fortunate to know quite a few midwives in um in the community in uh, in Leicester so the home birth team in Leicester obviously they came to my birth but equally a lot of my clients have had home birth or you know they didn't realize that they wanted a home birth they did the course and they opted in for one um but the home birth team know me really really well um and they work so well with like my clients um and even other other hypnobirthing teachers that i know uh, when they're kind of teaching their clients as well uh, one of the biggest things is being able to work with your professional because obviously If you're walking in like you're wanting an argument, your professional is not going to be on your side because they're going to be feeling undervalued. So naturally they'll feel more protective of themselves as their role of a midwife or as their role of an obstetrician or whatever their role is, right? They're going to be more protective of it. Mm. Whereas if you're walking in with tools that appreciate their years of experience, Um, the the time that they've taken to educate themselves about it but equally go in with your own research to say you know I've researched about my body and I've researched about this subject and how I feel this affects my body what you're saying doesn't quite feel right for me can we open this up as a discussion how does that work um and yeah that turns it completely different and um, in fact I had a, a mum this year um, and, and she was absolutely amazing that she came to me initially saying that she had a cesarean elective cesarean just booked in like there wasn't a discussion about it she was just given a date for an elective cesarean based on the fact that she was um, a geriatric pregnancy which I would describe her as but she was our older mum um, she had high BMI, um, and she had gestational diabetes. So she ticked boxes, mm. but that was it. Like, there wasn't anything in particular that the professionals had told her about her body that was not able to carry her baby. There wasn't a risk for her. There wasn't a risk for her baby. Um, she was just gone, oh, you ticked three boxes. We're going to book you in for an elective. Um she went on and obviously like did the first she only did the first session and went back and spoke to like an anesthetist which I had an appointment with went back with some research and actually i like to point out that this anesthetist was a male um and she said to her, she said to him look, look i feel like i don't think a cesarean is right for me i've got all these things and i feel like none of these impact my body there's nothing at the moment that's shown that babies." growth or weight or anything like that is being affected I'm fine and well in myself so I would like to have a vaginal birth and her male anesthetist sat there going it's amazing and so refreshing to see that I've seen a couple walk in here as a team know their rights have done their research and ask for what they think is right for them and he was like yeah I think you're right i think a vaginal birth is absolutely doable for you guys i think that is it right like they went in they didn't go organs blazing about this is what we want this is what you're going to do it's Mm. this is what you've presented us we've taken that away researched it according to my body and we don't feel like it's right for us and this is why we feel like a vaginal birth is right for us so we weighed up our pros and cons and now presenting this back as a discussion so that we can come to an agreement together. So I think, you know, when everyone thinks that we're very much against like hypnobirthing teachers one side and professionals on the other, well, it's definitely not like that. It's about educating our clients and our families to be able to work collaboratively with the professionals because we want you to be holistically supported. You know, We want you to be held in lots of different ways so that the outcome of birth is as close to what you want. Um, so that's, that's one of the the biggest myths as well. Um, and I think another one which surprises a lot of people is that it can be used for cesarean births. Oh wow, I didn't know. So, um, yeah, so I do a specific one for cesarean births. Um, and lots of people don't know that, they just think, oh well, oh I've got, I've, I've got placenta privia for example, so my placenta is basically blocking my cervix and I'm not going to have the vaginal birth because it's blocking it. So I'm going to have a cesarean. I don't even need to look look at it. Well, actually the tools that we teach in hypnobirthing are definitely applicable to cesarean. In fact, the breathing techniques I still use now with my three-year-old and my one-year-old when I'm feeling really overwhelmed, I just like, give me five. I need to practice this breathing technique so I can calm down, come back to you. And address the situation better. So it is a lifelong skill, but yes, it it can be used in cesareans because you know we're not only looking at the birth aspect itself, but again the journey of birth. So what kind of elements would you want to incorporate to have as close to that journey of a vaginal birth? You know, would you like to see your baby being born, for example? Like a lot of people don't even realize that they can watch their baby being born. Um, you know, if some women are very much like that's squeamish, I don't want to see that, I don't want to see the blood, that's not for me, no thank you. But actually, if that's something that you envisioned when you didn't realize that caesareans was on the card, but you wanted to see your baby being born and suddenly thought well, because you're having a caesarean, you can't have that, you know, that's an element of birth that's taken away from you. So the idea is that you're shown different aspects. Um, again, like, you know, as we were speaking about being calm. In labor and birth well if you're calmer and your body's more relaxed when you're having a cesarean as well your muscles are relaxed which means that as the incisions are being made through each layer to get to your baby those muscles won't have to fight the incision as such because they aren't tight and tensed. they're much more relaxed which impacts your recovery you know because they're not Fighting to not be tall, and actually, they're like, Okay, well, this incision needs to happen in order for baby to come earthside. I'm gonna have to work with it. So, when you're sucked it up, actually, the recovery works better because your muscles are so relaxed. So, you know, even though you may have the spinal and you're not feeling anything, actually, the impact of what information you're processing in your brain to tell your body and how your body is responding to that affects the process, the operation, and also for, like impacts your recovery as well. So I think it's really important for women to know that actually it's not just for vaginal birth; it's not for a specific type of birth, it's completely applicable for different types of birth because the idea is that you are calm, you are in control, you know, you are confident, dependent on what situation has come up. Um. And so I think they're my top three myths that people like: it's not professionals, or it's really painful, or it's definitely you know it's only for a particular type of birth, when it's definitely not.
0: That's amazing. So in terms of like going forward, do you think that like we're on the road to progress? Because obviously things weren't spoken about before. I mean, you speak to a lot of parents. Do you find that you're still having to almost come against? that mentality, that way of thinking, or do you think that's shifting now?
1: I think it's slow progress, so hypnobirthing has been around for a long time, um, in fact I think it's been around since the 1980s, but clearly nobody kind of knew as much about it. I didn't it, know like. about it until I met
0: you, I'll be <laughs> honest, I did not know about Um <laughs> so so yeah it just shows doesn't it that there's a lot of work that needs to be done yeah
1: yeah 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 and it's actually
0: so if you think about it it's been around
1: since the 1980s and we're now in in the 2020s like i don't think we we're just touching like i think we've still got a long way to go Mm -hmm. um and again i think it's because external factors aren't something that we can control, like we can control what goes on for us, but you know, birth is still very much viewed as clinical and medical, and we've got to change that. Again, the information that's being shared by uh, things that we're seeing on a day-to-day basis, like on TV and things like that, it, that needs to be changed. You know, if you're constantly feeding the same thing uh, and, I think, you know, when I think about it, the only scene that comes into my head is from Friends when Rachel is there (laughs) and screaming her head off. But I grew up watching Friends and stuff. So that is something that sits put. But equally, I have seen it on lots of films and sitcoms and stuff. And I think that needs to change drastically as well. Like, and I also think we look up to like celebrities and things. And we need to really reel it down to average Jane. Yeah. You know, um, I think some celebrities are understanding, and if they've kind of there's a there's a few that have spoken about the fact that they have practiced hypnobirth, and I think obviously like Kate Middleton's spoken about it and things. But it's not norm as yet. Like people are still skeptical about the idea. And I just like to put it out that you won't know whether it works or doesn't work unless you try it. And why are you willing to risk it when you could potentially have a positive experience? Why are you so skeptical about it not working and not doing it where if you give it a go, practiced it, that could give you an alternative outcome? I think that's, that's the difference, you know, that lots of people... So I think we've got a long way to go. We've still got a long way to go. And I think maybe, and I'm, I don't know whether this is wishful thinking, but maybe the generation after our children might have some hope. Hmm. Um, but again, that's just wish, I think it's wishful thinking. I still think there's lots of people that are not on board, or very. a lot of people are very much still, I don't like to use the word worship, but maybe they're more succumbed or they're more fearful of the white coat. Or you know we can't go against hospital policies and things, and people don't realize that hospital policies aren't law binding. Um, you're breaking the law by saying no, I don't want to do what you what you're saying, consultant doctor, whatever. You're just asking for what's right for you. We just need to learn to love ourselves and trust ourselves more, and that's I think that's generally hard. I think, isn't it? Like when you talk about mental health as well, Rahi, um, we we don't do that enough. We, we always look to be validated by others. Yeah. And actually what we need to learn to do is to validate ourselves. Because if you don't validate yourself and you don't trust yourself and you don't love yourself, how can you expect other people to do it? Right, so you need to respect yourself, respect your body in order for you to have that confidence so that other people do that with you as well.
0: So true. Well, on that note, I think we'll bring this podcast to a close. Um, but it was lovely having a chat with you. Um it was lovely. Thank you so much for having going me through all the different um topics that we have kind of touched on and delved deeper into, you know, kind of the ins and outs of it. But hopefully people will look into hypnopathy more. But if people want to get in touch, where's the best place? you've got my instagram as
1: um mystery mama um or you can always go onto the website which is MysteryMama.co.uk, um yeah or you can give me a call
0: um and that's on my website perfect thank you so much for coming on the podcast I really appreciate it thanks you. so much